Yeah, so we're just gonna launch into our interview today. We have with us um, Ram Mohan Das, and um, I'm gonna read just a short little bio about him, and then we'll start the interview process. Let's see. Um, how do we get, wanna get, right, okay. Um, so Ram Mohan is currently living in Sofia, Bulgaria. Um, he moved there six months ago. Um, and he came to visit last July for Pamanava Swami's visit, and he felt very comfortable right away. And he knew that, that the, the day that he had arrived there that he needed to move there. Um, he found a job working in customer service phone lines in front in French for an Airbnb. So it has been a great way for him to connect with his neglected French side. He loves cooking for the devotees for the Saturday program and he loves kirtan. Um, he hasn't had much other opportunities for service. So he hopes to have more opportunities coming up. And um, he loves being outdoors and being physically active, cycling, swimming, um, wild swimming. I guess that means in the wild. <laughs> and um, yoga are his favorite things. So, so welcome. And I'm going to try to get you on the doesn't get you on the main screen here. Um, let's see, I'm going to pin you just to get you down there. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we're going to start and just ask you if you can um, tell us a little bit about your childhood and if there were any things growing up that gave you clues that your life was not meant for just being a materialist, working in the world and, you know, doing what everybody else does. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I was... Uh... I was thinking, I wonder if I'm going to get emotional. And then just as soon as you started, I'm like, oh, already. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate this opportunity to um, kind of reflect on my life in a, with a bhakti perspective or where it's been leading to at least uh, up to now. Um, yeah, I grew up in England. I grew up in England and um, my mother's French, my dad's English, and um, I was fortunate enough to have um, a lot of family in France. We used to go visit often, and it was kind of like my uh, going to France was my refuge. Um, <laughs> I, I I quickly adopted the, the kind of well, the French. One thing the French are. <laughs> kind of renowned for is a little bit of snobbishness. So I was a bit of a French snob in that. I thought, why would you live in England when you could live in France? Um, <laughs> and uh, so I always kind of aspired to live in France and I still haven't done that. Um, <laughs> somehow ended up in America and then <laughs> Thailand and then, well, you know, the list goes on, but not, not in France. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. so... Uh, yeah, I was always very connected to my French family. Um, I have a lot of cousins a similar age to me and uh, really blessed with um, a very uh, tight-knit, um, loving family in France. Um, not that my English fam family isn't, but um, all my French uncles were farmers. And so it was um, a really wholesome uh experience I and mean, the lot <laughs> we used to go for holidays obviously um and uh uh like summer holidays were great because it was all spent outside and then if it was a like a christmas or easter it was all about being with family and um so it's a lot of time spent around the table and um and yeah, the, the, the part I didn't like was going to church because in those times of the year, it was, it was always cold. The French churches are really cold and, and, and the masses were epically long, uh, like 
two plus hours. So <laughs> that wasn't the fun part, but, um, but my French family is very devout. Um, and uh, so I just really, uh, yeah, I'm just, I uh, just felt very, um, very loved and appreciated for who I am um, there. And um, yeah, so that's, yeah. And also I was, I always thought I was going to have to, um, I was always, always keen on, on retaining my French citizenship. Um, and up until I was, I'm not sure exactly what age, late teens, I thought I was going to have to go and serve in the military in France to keep my citizenship. So I was kind of gearing up for that. And that's something I always liked. I liked that idea when I was younger until I, it kind of dawned on me what that might entail. Um, yeah, I used to love kind of setting up all my soldiers on the floor and having battles. And I was really into that thing, that when I was a kid. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, I kind of was preparing myself for that idea, but then the, the rules changed just in time. Just, and so I didn't need to do that when I was 18. Um, plus then I was gonna go to, I thought I was gonna go to, to university in France and somehow that idea got dropped too. Um, somewhere along the way um, during my teenage years. And um, yeah, so let's see. Yeah, and as far as, yeah, I used to like going to church with my mother um, and my brother and sister would come to, my dad wasn't a regular church goer. Um, he would come on like on the, on the big holidays. And I think my favorite part of that was singing um and uh i continue to go to church with my mom um after my brother and sister stopped going and then uh i went to university and i started going to church there but then i found i remember being in this like one meeting post mass and we had a sri lankan sri lankan priest and as soon as the rosary beads came out, I just was like, oh, I can't do this. This is just too much guilt, you know? And I just like, mm -hmm. so that's when I stopped going to church. Um, and uh, yeah, I was very disillusioned at university. I ended up in, at university studying economics and I just hated it. Um, it was just, it was not, um, it was just so far from what I, thought it could be and um or should be and uh it was all a bunch of equations and there was no heart in it at all so I was just desperate to take whatever course I could outside of the economics department I I could only choose one one course per year that was outside the economics department so I took Spanish for two years and then I took Japanese business and society um and uh, that got me fascinated in Japan. And that was kind of my lifeline after of getting out of England after university. I was desperate to go somewhere. Um, kind of already had a travel bug because I was so used to going to France at least once a year growing up. And um, yeah, so I ended up um, crawling through university really just barely made it through because I was really not in a good good place um yeah so why did I end up studying economics was because um I was uh I remember in England you have to kind of you feel like you have to choose your your career when you're like 15 years old you've got to narrow down your subjects to three subjects um and I always, always loved doing art and languages, but my dad was really, you know, pushing me to, to study something that was more serious, like business related, because that's what he did. And um, I remember just breaking into tears and like, I don't want to study economics, uh, even though I did, I did, I was enjoying it at that time, but yeah, it was the wrong thing for me. Um, and um but I did it to please my dad. And um, yeah, um, so anyway, I ended up in Japan and um, 
yeah, when I got to Japan, I was really, really interested in the, I mean, I was so fascinated by it. It's so, so aesthetically refined Japan. And I was really, uh, I mean, it had an easy job. I was teaching English there. And even that though, I was really kind of nervous about, I was like, how do I do that? I was just very low on confidence at that, at that time. And um, all I had to do really was talk to, to them because the Japanese, they study like furiously and they're just a real ner nervous wrecks when it comes to actually saying something to someone. <laughs> they've got all this grammar and, you know, they've memorized everything, but they can't use any of it. So it was really just like conversational. Um, and so it was a very kind of free period. period. Um, yeah, it was a very kind of relaxed lifestyle, easy. Um, it was well provided for. How, how, um, old, how old were you when you were in Japan? No, I got there when I was 21. Okay. Yeah. And you, and, were, um, you were there by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was really, I was interested in the religion uh, that time too. I was really like enjoyed the peace of the temples there. Um, and just the beauty was just really inspiring. The, they are so, uh, yeah, every, everything is just taken to such a kind of high level. Uh, kind of, I mean, mentioning that, um, that's one thing that put me so, just made me feel so at home when I when I arrived at Adaria. It's just so, um, Guru Maharaj is so um, uh, influenced by Zen architecture mm. and his style just feels very Japanese. So I felt right at home there. Um, like I said, I spent two years in Japan, um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I was serious about studying the, the language. I, I, I already learned uh, like the two phonetic alphabets before I got there, and then um, after a year of teaching, I decided to study Japanese, and I moved up to uh, the North Island, uh, Hokkaido. Mm -hmm. um, because I'd visited there and it's just, again, it's beautiful. It's, you're very close to nature. And I was studying full time and then had a job there too. Um, but that's, at, at that time I'd already met my soon to, well, my, my future wife, she was from America. And um, she came up to meet me in uh, Hokkaido and being from California, she couldn't handle the snow was like piled up. On me. And uh, so, so we decided to move back down to the region we were in, which was a couple of hours north of Tokyo and uh, found another job teaching down there. Um, after I finished, well, I kind of finished a little bit early my, my uh, uh, Japanese studies. And um yeah, from there, um, I remember I had a had a dream. I was, you know, we were debating whether we were going to go to India or uh, South America to travel. After after Japan, we were saving money, and um, I had a dream of um, arriving in India by boat. And then there was a there was a like a building. It looked, I I'd never I didn't know what it was, but it looked a bit like you know the Arc de Triomphe in in Paris, right? It was an archway, and I thought, okay, that's you know, I'm going. Let's go to India. I was really like set on going to India, so we set off on our travels from Japan. Uh, started out in Thailand. No, I think we started in Malaysia, Thailand, then India and just fell in love with India right away um, and uh, had to kind of cut off. I mean, we were there for, I think, three, three months or so, but wanted, were prepared to continue traveling, but had to, um, my ex-wife's, um, her, her grandfather got sick and so she wanted to go back to California to see him. Um, so we cut our trip short and decided to uh, buy a bunch of handicrafts to make sure that to, to pay our way to get back to India. That was kind of how our, our business started. Um, but anyway, during that first trip to India, we were, we started out in Delhi and headed south and um, we were in Bombay and we had this the craziest like um, 
craziest day, just one day in Bombay, but it was just like, it just spun us, picked us up. And I mean, it, I didn't spit us out, but it was just like, we were desperate to get out of there because it was just like, we felt like we were lost the whole time. We ended up at Bombay Gate and um, there were crowds of people. And then I just, I realized, well, this was, this is what was in my dream. This was Bombay Gate was, uh, India Gate, I'm sorry, India Gate in Bombay. Um, was what was in my dream and then so it was just like dumbfounded at that and while I was like while we were there we had a we were scammed and with the they had this scam where they, they take your photo and one guy comes in behind you and you know grab take stuff out of your bag luckily we the only thing we had taken was our guidebook oh, <laughs> but then you were lucky this, you know you were yeah lucky <laughs> yeah um and um yeah but again that that contributed us to staying uh, kept us lost in bombay um and uh but yeah um so when did you when did your interest in spiritual life kind of Blossom. Hit me in the face. Yeah, yeah. Blossom. Yeah. So going from from there, so we ended up um, with all these handicrafts. Um, actually, we 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 bought um, paper mache uh, Christmas tree ornaments. That was that was. We were bought a lot of them. Kashmiri oh. <laughs> uh, okay. paper mache, and um, so we ended up at, uh, back in California, Northern California, and. Um, we were back in the summer and so we sold a little bit in the summer but then kind of gearing up with we had christmas ornaments so we thought, what are we going to do with all these ornaments we ended up with a on a cart in the mall and um yeah we sold a lot of christmas ornaments <laughs> we did really well with the christmas ornaments um and mm -hmm. uh, people liked it we were right in everyone's face in the middle of the mall at that time that was i think 90 Christmas in 97 mm. and so the economy was booming and you know it was yeah it was a good time to be doing that type of thing and there happened to be um, a couple that were um, in the same mall with a shop um, and they were importing from Bali and uh, and it was a, a devotee um, the first devotee I met his name was Hetu Das and um, devotee of Srila Prabhupada. And he would just kind of, <laughs> I just was just fascinated by this guy. And I just could, he was like drip feeding me Hari Katar and I couldn't get enough of it. And, <laughs> and uh, so I just, he wasn't practicing the full, you know, the regulative principles, but I just, I didn't, you know, I was just, just was fascinated by this guy. And, um, yeah, so I would just go up and visit with him in his shop and he would tell me about Bali and trying to like, <laughs> you know, Bali is such a great place and all this. And But um, gradually got to know him better. Um, and uh, then we went to went back to India after that Christmas season. And then he we had another, the, after the following Christmas season and we had two carts this time. And he was in the same mall again with a shop so yeah we we're kind of i was developing this friendship with them and the following year after that we had a shop we opened a shop and after that shop season we again went back to india but i was um i would just like i just needed to be around i, I just like wanted to be around this guy more and more and I didn't, he took me to the temple and the first temple I went to was the Berkeley temple. And um, yeah, I mean, I was, I would just remember going in and there was um, this, there was a kirtan going on and I don't know if it was sannyasi, but he was in saffron and he was just glowing, you know, and I just like, yeah, I just was completely sold, but um, my my ex-wife was, it was just, 
it was too much for her. She she couldn't handle how how taken I was by by everything by it, and um, so that was kind of like the beginning of her, you know, insecurity or just fear of losing me to the Hare Krishnas. And at the very beginning, yes, I was ready to just drop everything and. Uh, uh, yeah, I I just wanted more. I just wanted more and more, right? So um, it's interesting. Just, I, I find yeah. it it was interesting. You were spending time yeah. in India, which mm. you know, and and no mention of really anything spiritual, like you know, happening there. But then you're in the small with your handicrafts from India, selling them, and you meet this devotee, and and that. Yeah, it's just so interesting that there's no rules about where your Krishna consciousness is going to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember seeing any devotees on those first trips to India. Uh, the one thing I would mention, though, was like one of the, my our first experiences in India. We were in, I think it was Badami, which is like uh, has like ancient ruins. So you know, it was gradually we we're, were learning about you know, deities and stuff. Um, but it, we we walk, went for out from our guest house and went for a walk just in the neighborhood. And we walked down this this one street and, you know, it's India and there's they're living in shacks and stuff. But I just, both my ex-wife and I were just were like marveling at how, at the joy and the, 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 the sparkle in the, in the eyes of the kids running around and the, just when you caught someone's eye, you just felt like they're just, they're so happy. And it's like, it doesn't matter that you don't have anything. And we got back to the guest house um, or they have very little, you know, we got back to the guest house and, um, and some, uh, someone else had been out for a walk too. And they were just like pitying people that they saw and we just wow we just you know saw it so differently to to these guys they they have so little yet they're so happy you know yeah. um yeah so india was just like okay that was our motivation to keep going back to india we'll mm -hmm. go back and sell and then keep going back to india and our our, our main we kind of fell in love with we both fell in love with kerala it was just so beautiful and the mm. people there were just were amazing too um yeah we didn't uh yeah didn't go to didn't even yeah we did go to Vrindavan but that was later and that was difficult that was because yeah A2 gave me some contacts there and um I really wanted to go and kind of dragged my ex-wife there and she didn't, wasn't happy about it so it wasn't very fun for that reason we got sick um yeah it wasn't the way it should be visiting Vrindavan I don't um, know that sounds like a pretty uh, <laughs> familiar story of going to Vrindavan yeah really yeah, sick. yeah. Like um so where was I then we were uh at the shop um ended up moving down to we okay so we had we couldn't find a shop then the following year oh no before that after that the first shop we ended up in bali because i was just afraid to go back to india uh i was just like feeling so kind of like i needed i needed to be close to hey to because i didn't feel safe around uh, away from i guess harikata you know I just felt like, oh, I, you know, I didn't trust who my ex-wife was going to be drawn towards once we got to India, and it just was freaking me out. So, um, yeah, and um, but that year was the year I think we got. Uh, we were already married, but then we had like a marriage celebration in California, and uh, we ended up. Um, I was looking high and low for a shop, uh, for a good location. And we ended up finding a good location in LA. So we moved down there for the following Christmas season. A big, we had a huge shop there. And um, and uh, that's where I started going to a temple regularly. 
you know, I was, I was really happy. There was a temple I could go to. I would get up in the morning, uh, like early for Mongolia and drive across LA to get to the LA temple for Mongolatic. And this was when my, I think at that time, yeah, my wife was already pregnant with our son. And um, yeah, and then as soon as, um, and so I started to make friends at the temple and um, started to get quite settled there, you know, or just attached to, to that that area. We Our shop was doing well. We had a couple of shops. And then we had, a, actually, you know, we had a few one, that one, one Christmas season. We kept, at that point, we were keeping the shops open through the year. Mm. And um, yeah, one, se- we had, one season we had a shop in one mall that was run entirely by devotees actually uh, I didn't even need to go there it was really nice um, <clears throat> um, but then when my son was born um, my ex-wife wanted to she wanted to move back up to Northern California to be closer to her family I thought yeah okay fine we ended up buying a house um, up there um, in Lake County which was uh, kind of a budding new community, new, kind of newly developed community, which is where we could afford to buy a house. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I didn't realize at the time, but it was kind of like the the start of her trying to like distance us, I think in hindsight from, from devotees, you know, she was, not comfortable around that but then we moved up to northern california i was kind of i was really obviously i was torn i was really disappointed i didn't want to leave my friends in la um and i thought well i don't we're going to be far away from a temple you know where there's the temples in berkeley and it's too far to go there regularly from where we were going to be living but um soon after we got up there um we had opened a shop again and uh, we met some of Guru Maharaj's devotees um, promoting his pretty new, his Bhagavad Gita was 2002. Um, so yeah, the Guru Maharaj's Bhagavad Gita was, edition was pretty new at that point in time. And um, we, they were just uh, out on the, in the, in the square, in the town square um, in Santa Rosa um, promoting the Bhagavad Gita. So that's how they introduced need to go Guru Maharaj and um, yeah so I'd go to visit Adaria once in a while for festivals not as often as I would have liked <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, and I remember with the Rathi Archer in San Francisco um, where Guru Maharaj was um, and I, in fact, I came across a video of that recently, a video clip, and Agni Dave was there, soon joined, actually. He came, he moved to, moved his restaurant um, down from Oregon to Santa Rosa, must have been that, that year or, yeah, very soon mm-hmm. after, at that mm-hmm. time. So I was there when it was being opened up, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, uh, it was very, yeah, it was really, it was difficult, because I, yeah, I knew my wife was uncomfortable and you're just you know whatever dealing with her she was insecure around devotees and I just wanted to be around the devotees all the time and mm-hmm. um, then she hatched this plan to move to Thailand and it, it was really I didn't know I knew I just felt like spiritual suicide I just felt like oh I don't know but I didn't know how to stop it from happening and um, yeah I just felt kind of powerless on uh, what to do because at that time we'd kind of we had two we had two young kids at that time by then and we were I was trying to manage our shop in LA was still open and trying to manage that from a distance and you know just basically letting letting it go um, then we had to move. Yeah, I got news that we had to move our, like a corporate store wanted a, the space we were in. And so what we'd normally do is find another space. And I just thought, I'm just, you know, I'm an eight hour drive away. I've just got to let this go and find something else to do. So I had this other idea. Okay, we'll try this. And of course, it was just like trying to build something from scratch is 
silly at that point. Um, so that didn't work. And then we just were, it was just a mess. And we had all these bills to pay and we had to file for bankruptcy. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was messy. So um, yeah, so then she hatched this plan and okay, we'll sell the house and move to Thailand without much really of a plan of what we're gonna do when we move, when we were in Thailand. <laughs> You know, so um, we moved to Thailand. Our kids were three and one and a half. And I was just kind of freaking out, you know. It was like, well, I just left my whole, like, support structure, you know. Guru Maharaj was, an, I mean, an hour and a half was not very long a drive um, in America, <laughs> relatively speaking. Now now we can see that, like, Guru Maharaj comes for a festival for a week, <laughs> You know, you can't just pop on by and say hi to Guru Maharaj. So, um, yeah. Um, and so we ended up in Thailand and, you know, just the years kind of just started to slip by. And um, I would go and visit once in a while when we were back in, in America, um, which wasn't very often, maybe during the summer. But then, you know, gradually I just like became just embarrassed. I'm like, I'm not making any progress. I'm just kind of, you know, ashamed of where I am. And, and um, I remember, you know, there were a couple of times I was in California and I didn't even like pick up the phone or, you know, um, try, to, try to go visit. Um, and um, then, yeah, so, and I was just uh, got to the point after 10 years in Thailand, I thought, how did that happen? How did 10 years happen in Thailand? And I realized I needed need to like figure out how to get, how to move, what I'm going to do when I leave here. Um, I mean, I, I took all my lecture series when I went, but when you're that far away from all the devotees, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just that also. There was also, I was, I've uh, been going to 12-step meetings since I started, uh, since I was in LA. Some friends introduced me to that. Um, and it's just, it was, even when I was in uh, Northern California, where we were living, I could get to one, maybe two meetings a week. Um, and um, that was like, yeah, so that was just, a, it was just almost like trying to survive on the scraps, really, you know, not giving, getting what I needed in order to uh, recover from, you know, my childhood trauma. And, um, and then moving to Thailand, it was like, you know, even further away from that support structure also. So, um, yeah, so... Would you feel comfortable to, to would you feel comfortable to share um, what twelve step program you were attending? Yeah, sure. Um, um, Alan, it's called Alan on. It's for family and friends of of alcoholics or adult children of alcoholics. Alco or, right, you know, right. Yeah. So that yes. was going on in your childhood. The yeah, I'd say, you know, I think it's really difficult to grow up in England and not be impacted by alcoholism in some form or or other. It's just such a huge you know, factor mm -hmm. in in society. I mean, look, you got the the public houses where people go to drink. And growing up, I just was like really averse to any anything remotely and want to touch any alcohol because I, you know, my father just it just yeah. just felt that he wasn't he's not a um, aggressive but or uh, angry or violent, but in a in a in an overt way, but emotionally, yes, you know, just emotionally unavailable and cruel, you know. So, um, yeah, that was uh, something else that I was kind of surviving on, you know, just drip, being drip fed that when I really, uh, if, you know, if, and feeling guilty about going to meetings or my ex-wife, like thinking, why do you need to go to a meeting? Um, when you can, we can just talk about it. It's like, because the, you know, <laughs> because the people there, you know, because it's a safe space to say how I feel, you know, and, and, to, and even if I don't, I mean, early on, I didn't even, I couldn't even talk at meetings. Mm -hmm. I just needed to listen and just hear, you know, and be able to uh, 
relate to the way other people were expressing how they felt, you know, growing mm -hmm. up or dealing with um, just massive people pleasing issues. And um, uh, basically the way I survived growing up was just hiding, you know, not being, not getting in the way, not disagreeing with anyone, just mm. zipping it, not bothering saying how I felt. Um, and so for me now, like uh, just jumping ahead to, to where I am here, this was such a great, I mean, I, I, when I, yeah, the first day I came to Bulgaria last summer was the day Padmanabha Swami arrived. I just knew, right, I knew right away, I need to, I didn't think about this before I came here, I just knew that I needed to move here um, because I just felt so, uh, so comfortable. Is I think it's largely just the way the devotees here um, um, relate to each other and so they're just very supportive and it's just in, in such a natural way. Um, mm. Yeah, like the Mela was such an, a great example of that, how everyone just pitched in and it all just worked without a big fuss, you know? Um, and um, I just felt kind of, yeah, I, I need to be here. And, and the other big thread was um, my, my need for my French side has led me here also. Um, you know, the French, the English, <laughs> the English asked, ask, you know, the, I guess the classical English uh, side is, you know, is the, um, what's it called? Uh, I love you know, brain. <laughs> the, the grin and bear it, or, you know, mm. just, um, yeah, just uh, not really. Rational. Yeah, logic. it's risk. So there's a lot of repression, you know, there's a lot of repression, basically. Yes. And, and so what I always, the, the best thing about France that for me was I got to see my mother be herself, you know, mm. and she was just full of joy. And so, um, you know, and I'm not, and I'm feeling finally getting to this point where I'm on the phone. I love it. I'm on the phone all day with France, you know, with people in France. And I just am feeling that uh in the french they're okay, they're more okay a bit like the indians i guess in that you can just let off some steam with someone and not worry about you know then it's it's gone you know there isn't you don't have to hold it in if someone like if someone's like give me a hard time on the phone and it's unjustified i will tell i can i feel like i can tell them you know like i'm trying to help you here and you know, just just kind of like rattle off a little bit at, at them, and then and it will be okay. If I did that, I couldn't do that in England. I would lose my job probably. <laughs> but with the French, they're not going to complain about that because that's what they do, and they they understand kind of respect it. You know, they do respect it if they realize they're out of line a little bit. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, more more heart centered culture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, at least for me, anyway. Um, oh yeah, and there's there's another thing with England is that I felt like I grew up really resisting being played, wanting to be placed in. You know, so much is dependent on accent. Your class is uh, your your accent kind of uh, places you in in the class system, right? And I I. I remember not, I didn't apply, I mean, not, I mean, I mean, probably wouldn't have got, I probably didn't get quite good enough grades to go to Oxford, but I didn't want to even apply for Oxford because I thought, oh, I don't want to be around those, you know, I don't want to be kind of placed in that, <laughs> in that bracket. Um, yeah, I had a conversation with my, my cousin went to Cambridge and, you know, I was asked, talking to her about like applying, maybe applying for Oxford. They do have a much better course though for uh i would have been happier studying politics philosophy and economics than just straight straight economics which was most a lot of maths and yeah which i like maths but not a bunch of equations when you're trying to uh explain how people act and you know um so um back to where was i I kind of 
kind of been rambling. I I was just gonna you I mean you just came brought yourself to Bulgaria from Thailand and I guess maybe maybe to kind of I'm just gonna put some pieces try to put some pieces together that there there was you know this this kind of um interest and practicing and and bhakti really capturing your heart um, mm. from your association with hey and and then going to la and having a lot of association there and then moving up to adaria i mean to the northern california and getting association with gumars and so you had this budding spirituality coming and and then your wife was not, it seemed like she had a lot of insecurities around your association with devotees. So she tried to bring you out of that association and moved you very far away to Thailand for 10 years. And you were isolated, it sounds like. And, and to the point where you even felt some guilt about showing your face again in the association of devotees when you would come back for visits so um so i guess my question would be they so there's and and then you you know it sounds like you kind of started doing some inner healing work from your childhood addressing some things and so it sounds like sounds like you you had a family, two children, a wife, a wife that's not very satisfied with pretty much anything you do outside of the box. She, she wasn't happy with your spiritual life. She wasn't too happy that you were getting help for your emotional um, side of you and trying to heal some of the things that happened from your childhood. So that seems like the messiness for you is that here you are trying to traverse the world. I mean, really, you are all over the world and trying to figure out a life for yourself and your family. And that didn't, that's obviously didn't happen because you've been using the word ex-wife through the whole thing. So maybe yeah. talk a little bit about that messiness for you. And, and if how did that help you to actually come closer to your spiritual path? Yeah, thanks for tying up some confusing <laughs> threads there. Um, yeah, so, okay, so I, I got to 10 years in, in Thailand trying to figure out how to, to to bring it to an end, and it turned into like 13 years, and finally what got, um, what got us out of there was uh, kids were you know, high school age, and they had fewer options with the schooling over in Thailand, so we were looking at where where were we going to move to and we'd already lived in the u.s back on back to the u.s for six months a couple of times and um i think yeah my ex-wife she didn't want to move back to the u.s she was really she a lot she was a lot happier in thailand than i was and um and i thought well okay how about england then i thought i was ne- i would never move back to england um because i was i mean i I was during my whole marriage, I blamed my family for a lot, but I mean, they really was stood by me through all of a lot of trouble uh, through my marriage and um, I moved back to England. Um, and the, the hardest part of that was my, my ex-wife really didn't want to, never wanted to live in England, but I was really thankful to move back to England. Um, <laughs> I, I, I finally appreciated England for um, for its for its best. Uh, well, the things that I love most about it um, is just uh, yeah, and that's nature is just so rich in nature. It's so green, and um, ended up in a garden center, living at a garden center because <laughs> that was the only place we could find um, that yeah that was available at the time. So. Um, and so my kids went to school there for two years and yeah, then the, the pandemic happened and it was just right at that point, just before then that she, I remember we were, we went to America, we, went to, we were in California for a, the summer 
this was while we were living after a year in England. And I had, there were a couple of devotees I stayed in contact with only because one, this one devotee was, Sri was still, still kept in touch with, with my ex-wife. And um, she'd had come, actually come out to visit us in Thailand. And that she was going to be performing at the Rathiatra in uh, down in LA in Venice, and we were in California, and I just really wanted to, you know, I wanted so much to go to the see them at the Rathiatra, and she was showed no interest in it, and I just thought, you know, it was finally getting to be like this was a, like the straw that broke, you know, the, the camel's back for me. I just thought, what 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 am I doing here? And we ended up we've ended up at some hippie festival in San Francisco and thinking I could be at the Rathiatra right now. Why are we not there? You know, and um, that was, yeah. Then she, she met up with, she went, had to really, what was more important to her was going to a high school reunion. And that was kind of what led to a, our, our marriage ending. Um, and uh, so after we got back to England, it kind of transpired. Yeah, she didn't want, ever want to live in England, really. And she was heading back to, to California um, and um, had a new partner there. And um, um, that's, yeah, and that was, that was when I reached out to Guru Maharaj again. And, and when I finally actually just thought, oh, I need to be around devotees, looked up the nearest meeting. And during the lockdown, the beginning of the lockdown, it was, um, yeah, I was going to, the, there was some online um, like chanting and some classes locally. And there was a, the devotees had a, um, what's it called, a, an allotment. So I was going to help out with the allotment and, and uh, starting to tune into Guru Maharaj every week. And yeah. Um, and uh, that was really kind of the start of my, where I could really just practice as much as I wanted to, you know, mm -hmm. where I was, I felt free to set up my altar and just do what I wanted to do. And, and yeah. So the, so I did, I was, it wasn't, it wasn't covert anymore. <laughs> it didn't have to be covert. didn't have to. So probably, having your marriage done wouldn't have been the way you scripted it or wanted that to happen it sounded like she she kind of was you know she found another partner and left mm. so um i'm sure that was not an easy time for you and how did you get through that yeah it wasn't easy um but um wow i got it and through it with Sangha, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And Guru Maharaj was there when I, you know, when I thought, oh, it's, how could you possibly still like accept me back after this? Like you're so out of the out of this world, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so he said, you know, we'll come to come to Madhavan sometime. And so I was planning to go to Madhavan, and then the this, that must have been just before the everything got really bad with the pandemic. So yeah, yeah. But I'd heard about Madhavan when it first when he first bought it and visited, and he said, "Oh, we just got this <laughs> property in Costa Rica." So it'd been a, a long wait. So you did get to Madhavan, as we saw just a couple months back. Yeah, and saw you getting initiated. So how did that all? transpire um yeah that was really intense because i got to madhavan and you know seeing guru maharaj i mean i'd seen guru maharaj but it was just so different to hear him you know give a give a class in person i just was like how oh, how did it you know where did all the time go you know mm -hmm. how's how can it have been this long um last time and I was just like because early on you know in 
in my bhakti path, I thought, oh, there's no time to waste, you know? And then I just look back and like, well, I just I wasted a lot of time right there, <laughs> you know? So I guess I needed to go through that and uh, in order to make sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, I've already done that, so <laughs> no more. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, so you ended up in Madhuban getting, did you feel you were ready to take that? That's next step when you. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Long time, long time coming, huh? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a slow, I guess a late bloomer. <laughs> how, how old are you? 48. 48. Still got some years ahead of you. Yeah. 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 I, I let my, my health just go. Uh, I mean, I, I tried everything. I gave everything to try and make my marriage work and uh, to the point where I really neglected my health. And, and after, I mean, that was the last thing I let go because obviously I was like letting go gradually of anything that I was, that was really me um, at heart, you know, and I was like, even, yeah, so I was really, it's been a, it's been a really intense, but a great couple of years. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess the, the main, the, the thing that's gotten me through is just, just chanting, you know, mm -hmm. chanting, chanting, and just being consistent when, with that. And um, yeah, and it's just such a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, comfort it's such a comfort to be to wake up and just be free to chant and mm. yeah and and yes. know that that's yeah. you know keep that going then yeah and <laughs> listening oh there's other choice. stuff too but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so just so what what do you see for yourself going forward do you have any is it kind of like go with the flow? I mean, you sound like you've kind of let life kind of take you places. Um, so you, do you have any thoughts about what your future might look like as far as service or where you're going? I mean, if you, do you have any I'm ideas? Still, or is it still I'm still like, asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. But um, what that's going to look like. But um, no, one thing that I really have been learning to do i guess since yeah since i got since i separated uh from my from my wife was um uh, is just not to not to rush into things and just uh mm. you know um <laughs> i've got you know oh i should mention some of these 12-step slogans are just are just so great you know this just so applicable to i mean of course you got the one day at a time thing but mm. let go and let god and um let it begin with me is a really really good one for me because mm. you know i can just so easily get focused on other people and um instead of looking at what i need to i need to work on in myself mm. and um yeah i can have you know these great ideas they sound just like well yeah i'm gonna do this or you know this is the way it's going to work out and what's important for me is not to just get carried away with that and not to act on it and just kind of sit back and take some time and just see, well, is that really a good idea? <laughs> um, you know, and time, you know, time tells where, whether you know, if it falls away and there's something else that happens, it's, I don't really know the process that Krishna, I don't know. And it's better that I don't try not to figure out what Krishna's process is. <laughs> And just kind of let it, you know, unfold. Um, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, and I'm happy where I'm at right now. Um, we've got a, a really nice, small bunch of devotees here, and uh, um, yeah, and um, I love being in Europe. You know, mm. this is <laughs> yeah. The one of the first things I did when I got back to England because at that time Brexit was looming. Was get my French passport because I never thought I never saw a need for it before then, and that's without that I wouldn't have been able to come here with just a British passport. So I'm really fortunate that um, I can. Set that up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So just 
if you had to kind of look at over your life and um especially you know since you have started your spiritual journey and what would you say are the the ways that it's changed you as a person what do you see in yourself that you're happy about the the differences and who you who you are at this point uh, well, you know, the biggest, uh, when I came, when I, the other thing, when I came here last summer and met everyone, and of course, like, it wasn't just the Bulgarian devotees, I'd, you know, got to know some of the other devotees online, um, Shamananda and Sakirati, it was just, uh, just how accepting, I just felt so comfortable with everyone and just like, oh, this is, you know, I don't remember going to temples often and thinking, what am I supposed to do? What's the protocol? I don't know the rules and all this. And I just felt just so at ease. Everyone just put, put me so at ease. I just thought, what, a, I'm so fortunate to be part of this, this Sangha. This, it's, um, everyone is just so genuine, you know, and there's no pretense and, yeah, um, Guru Maharaj has managed to just <laughs> to, to nurture that somehow uh, incredibly in all of us. And uh, yeah. So what would be one quality that you see in yourself that is, has come out more that a quality that you really appreciate in yourself that's developed since been on your journey and it could be patience i mean you kind yeah. of just you kind patience. of patience <laughs> i think that that's what yeah kind of what i was getting at was just not wanting to jump ahead and just being mm -hmm. yeah i tend to like i mean i i like to be very physically active but um it's also been a kind of a an escape from dealing with stuff too you know always wanting to move and not just sit and feel the feelings and kind of go through the emotions wow. yeah so wow. that has been the i've been chased i've been running from that i think my whole life and oh that's something i wanted to mention like when i finally when i moved here at the end of september i realized that i had a, a very traumatic move when i was nine years old i i lived i had a kind of very idyllic life i mean saying that you know it was didn't want to live in England, but at that time I was happy living in England uh, up to age of nine, I think, because we lived in Wales actually. And we had like this huge house and a huge garden and I had great friends and we had to move um, to like the Southeast of England, which is like the, a busy lifestyle and people are just not as present and more competitive, you know, just, and I was just heartbroken. I and uh, never dealt with, I never kind of, I don't think, well, I didn't have the support I needed for that. I didn't process it um, fully. Mm -hmm. And um, so I never kind of really adjusted to being where I was. After that, I kind of became, you know, took on kind of a victim consciousness, I think. Mm -hmm. And when I, um, yeah, well, I did, that's a, that's a big, big factor. Um, and, um, when I moved here, I realized, oh, I feel like I'm moving back to, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting my friends, my nine-year-old friends back, you know? Mm -hmm. They felt like I'm coming back to my childhood friends, you know? It was a really good feeling that way. Um, yeah, and, long, long, long journey to get there, huh? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Coming back home to your, mm -hmm. yeah, finding your home with the Bodhis, and that's beautiful. And yeah, yeah. So, what advice would you give to our listeners as far as <laughs> oh. <laughs> what not to do or what what to do? <laughs> what would your what would your advice be? So, just from all the things that you've learned along the way? Uh, don't be afraid of feeling those feelings. Mm. <laughs> don't run away from them, huh? Yeah. 
Do you think a lot of that traveling that you did was all about running away from your feelings? Yeah, even my getting married was too. Yeah. Yeah, so Krishna kept popping in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saying, yeah, okay, I'm here whenever you're ready uh-huh. to stop running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. And just, yeah, and just, uh, I mean, Yeah, and I guess that's another thing is paying attention. I mean, <laughs> um, I often, yeah, it jumps out at me when I just hear lectures now, just listening to Padmanabha Swami's recent lectures is just about how everything, everything can be an udipana, you know, for a bhakti and just trusting that, you know, because it's easy to get just cling to the kind of to the safe zones and well, like mm. think that it's only about uh, what happens in the temple or, or you know but uh, I think yeah just being I guess you know just being honest with myself and being transparent with people mm. yeah so paying attention <laughs> to how everything's speaking to us in a way that we can learn and grow spiritually and then being honest about where you're at and who you are and that's pretty pretty significant <laughs> yeah not right? easy that's not an easy <laughs> ask yeah. i'm but not doing that <laughs> i'm working on that I'm working yeah. progress well, yeah we, we have we have lots of good mentors to help us get there and Anyway, just having, knowing that those are things that are really important is huge because I'd say probably a few years ago, you wouldn't have even have even, you know, really thought that they were things to aspire for. Yeah, but that, and that, that said though, and it's a lot, it's so hard when, when, uh, when I wasn't around devotees, as soon as I was around devotees again, yeah, the lessons start coming, you know, thick and fast, like, Kalpa Vriksha, yes, I believe that, and maybe not <laughs> lessons that I wanted, but ones that I I needed to deal with, you know, right. and a lot of painful ones too. Um, yeah. But you know, forcing me to be honest with myself um, when I really <laughs> was resisting, yeah. um, you know, yeah. Well, welcome to the family and. <laughs> We're all happy that you found your way home. Yeah, somehow Krishna led me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah. So well, let's see if we have any questions. We have a small group, but there might be a question or two out there. Anybody have a question you'd like to ask? Haribo. 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 Who's S and S? We're trying out the K and K thing, you know. Come on, I'm going to Shangi. Okay, okay, I'll I'll remember that next time. <laughs> so um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have a. Uh, uh, I'm curious if during those years in Thailand. Uh, when when you were completely gone from any association, were there things like reminding you of Krishna? Were there like things popping up here and there? Uh, like, did he, I say like, did he show himself to you <laughs> in some way? Well, I had my Bhagavad Gita by my beside by my bed. Most you know, it was there, and I had you know pictures of Krishna around, and my bead bag I'd pick up once in a while. Um, so, you know, I didn't forget Krishna, but it wasn't, I just wasn't, I just didn't feel free to practice the way I wanted to. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, just being there in Thailand wasn't <laughs> practicing the way I'd want to because I was, I moved so far away from Boomerang. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh. I kind of poured everything into my kids, you know, my kids were like my, 
my focus. Yeah. Thank you. That is, yeah. <laughs> do, your, do your children have any interest in spiritual life? Or has that been, you weren't really free enough to give them any? Well, their, mo their mother is, is, you know, has been a negative influence as far as that goes, but they do have um, devotee names. Do they? Uh, okay. Yeah. What are my their daughter's, children's names? My daughter's Devaki. Okay. And Where then my my son is Kaivalya Nitai. Well, that's really interesting that she would agree to allowing you to find devotional names. In a yeah, I think maybe that was like I was dealing with a backlash for <laughs> all those years. Mm. <laughs> Somehow at the time when we lived, when at the time she didn't, yeah, I didn't, it's like she was open to it at the time. Oh. Mm. Yeah. That's very interesting. And what do the kids think of their names? I mean, I, well, I guess when you're living in Thailand, it's not an issue to have a name like that. But if you're living in the States, I mean, how do the kids do They it? like, yeah, they, no, they like their names. I mean, Deva is easy for everyone to say, and so is Kai, you know, so okay, pick so something that's easy to shorten. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And, and it's kind of, yeah, it's a common name in many countries, in Hawaii, Japan, I think uh, Germany too. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Kai <laughs> Yeah, Kai Nice. So, anybody else that's on the call have a question you'd like to ask before we wrap up? I just want to thank you, uh, Rama Mohan, for sharing your story. Very inspiring. And um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Sagarati. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and thank you for having the courage to come on. I know it was a little, you know, you weren't, it wasn't like an easy, like, yes, this is what I want to do. And <laughs> I didn't for once think about how far, if I was speaking too fast. So apologies for the translator if I was speaking too fast. <laughs> And any other last questions? A couple of yes, Nanga Manjari gave you a thumbs up. So, okay. so she was able to, to follow you pretty well with your your British accent, which is the most prevalent, but it's not as prevalent as it used to be. You're losing. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a hodgepodge now. <laughs> a hodgepodge, yeah. I'd say so. Um so I just want to say that um, thank you so much. And next week we're having um, Padmanabha Swami will be doing an interview. So um, that's exciting to, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us have heard his, his uh, story because he, I know the first time I met him, that was the first thing he asked me was, well, how did you become a devotee? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like, that's he loves to hear the devotee stories. So, and of course, he shared some of his with me as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. And um, and then the la Indra will be doing the the last interview of the month, and then I'll be taking a couple months off from the interviews. Um, we have a baby coming probably in the next couple of days, my grandson, and, um, and then we're also Pamanawa Swami will be here for a couple of weeks in June. So I think I just needed some time off for that. All right, my dear devotees, thank you so Very much and uh, have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll see everybody back here soon. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, thank you, Archan. Thank you, Hare Krishna.